HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day on the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what is exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify this program with my good guests. My guest today is Richard Jeffroy, who is the founder and maker of Shiraiwa, a sake brewery in Toyama Prefecture, Japan. And before Richard founded the sake brewery in 2018, he was the chef de cave or cellar master at the world-famous champagne producer Don Perignon for 28 years. And Richard makes traditional-style Japanese sake that is uniquely merged with champagne-making techniques, and his sake is gaining the attention of professionals and connoisseurs of sake and wine worldwide. So today we'll discuss why the master champagne maker decided to produce Japanese sake, Richard's original-style sake that incorporates the idea of assemblage, his experience with champagne is um, how his experience with champagne is inspired with traditional sake production, and much, much more. But before you start, Japanese is available on Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review. We appreciate your feedback. And I have a quick announcement. So I am thrilled to let you know that Japanese has been nominated for a viewer's choice for Best Food or Drink podcast, Viewer's Choice for Best City or Regional Program, and Viewer's Choice for Best Single Topic Series at the 14th Annual Taste Awards. So what is Taste Awards? The Taste Awards is often considered as the Oscars of food, and I'm very honored to be among the critical nominees and immensely grateful to you, uh, listeners, and uh, I'm asking for your help. So please take a moment to vote for Japanese in these three Viewer's Choice categories, 
Again, it's best food or drink podcast, best city or regional program, and best single topic series. And every vote counts. So and you can cast your vote until February the 17th. And in order to vote, please go to the tasteawards.com. Again, it's the tasteawards.com and click on the red box and uh, little like, uh, the beginning of the page, submit your viewer's choice votes. So it's all multiple choices. You don't have to remember. You see Japanese and click on Japanese boxes. So thank you so much and for your support. And again, thank you for listening to Japanese. Now let's start a conversation with Vishar Jeffar. Hello, Vishar. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> right. So I know you are in France. So um, yeah, thank you for joining us to New York. Um, so first of all, to get to know you, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? Well, I'm uh, born and raised Champenoise. You know, I'm from a family of uh, champagne vignons, uh, seven generation of uh, grape growing in the in the south region of, of Champagne called uh, Côte des Blancs, growing Chardonnay for so many years, so many generations. It has been my scene, my DNA uh, from the start. Uh, and uh, and what did I eat? You know, <laughs> actually, for long, you know, it has been country country style food. You know, not so urban, not so polished, whatever. Simple food. You know, actually, grape growing is farming. It's country country style or everything. So. I've been coming to more sophisticated food uh, of late, you know, when uh, and uh, when moving to winemaking, as I will explain. Mm, right. Well, that's amazing because uh, everything in Champagne to me is a terroir. So it's based on what your surrounding creates. So I think you're yeah. part of the terroir too. So yeah, yeah it's an interesting question, actually. Uh, if you look at the wine regions of uh, of France. All of them are really about the, the, the food, you know, and with the notorious uh, exception of, of Champagne, as far as tradition of food, you know, there is not so much of a local or whatever history of uh, outstanding food. Uh, nowadays is obviously, because uh, Champagne achieved uh, such a status that it has been growing so many talents. Uh, uh, so many chefs uh, now, but it's all uh, new, recent history of food in Champagne. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. It just uh, is it the proximity of Paris? Is it that uh, for long the region of Champagne uh, hadn't been really that uh, rich, that bourgeois uh, at all? It was a simple food for simple people. Mm. Uh, you got to understand, uh, to be aware that the, the, the current success of Champagne is pretty recent. Mm. Uh, it's uh, sort of 50, 70 years of, uh, of uh, thriving and being that successful. Mm. Uh, people are really are struggling to, to, to understand that, uh, you know, his, Champagne has been around for so long, and yet uh, that's successful for such a, a recent period of, uh, of time. Mm, right. We kind of have a, a wrong idea of champagne is something very expensive and only you drunk for something very festive. It's not. It's an agricultural product 
really nurtured over centuries, like you say. So, yeah, we never should uh, see champagne something um, yeah. kind of unreal. Yeah. <laughs> That's really rude. You get such a point. You know, champagne is so much uh, of a duality of the terroir and the, and the brand, you know, the the terroir, the one credentials, whatever, the depth, you know, of the, of the people making, growing and, uh, and making the, the grapes, the wine. And yet, uh, at the same time, it's about celebration. So mm-hmm. there is a tension, you know, a duality in all of this, which could be the, the intriguing beauty of champagne, actually. Mm, right. And, um, well, of course, you spent 28 years as the uh, chef de cave or cellar master at Don Pirion. So it sounds like that's the depth and complexity and the purity of champagne that you spent so long at uh, Don Pirion, right? Is that why you spent your almost 30 years in the world of champagne? Yeah, frankly, I've been, uh, you know, through the the most uh, outstanding and uh, I would say exhilarating uh, wine position uh, in the world, you know, with uh, all due humility, but uh, yeah, because Don Perignon is such a magical uh, project uh, of the wine, of uh, so much outside the wine, uh, the outside world of, uh, of Don Perignon, of Champagne, mm. reaching out to the most outstanding people of the world all in all, having sort of a vision of the world, you know, so I feel I've been very privileged in the position, but uh, uh, still, in the end, uh, was it a comfort zone, in a way, you know, and that uh, uh, and at some stage, uh, I started realizing that uh, LVMH was, uh, you know, accepting about anything I was asking for, mm. and it rang to me, you know, saying, you yeah, know, maybe... <laughs> it's about you know it you know maybe I got to pursue the the, the journey to keep on uh, setting up onto new challenges you know <laughs> re reinventing myself in a way you know I'm a great believer in the successive lives you know right. life is not one mm. it comes in a in chapters in the layers and the, so I had to go on. Right. To and the then, surprise of so many people. Yeah. Right. So um, you really took like um, the change, like a skydiving <laughs> equivalent. So, and you, so you retired from the, uh, your job at Don Perignon in 2018 and decided to make sake in Japan, which is a completely the change um, of your theater to act on. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have a good reason to make unique decisions like that. So why sake? And what was your connection with Japan before you opened the sake brewery? My move to, to sake has been the contribution of uh, one, you know, wanting to to break away from uh, from champagne, not to say from, from wine overall. And two, you know, all at the same time, all thanks to Don Pignon, you know, developing a fascination for Japan. Uh, something so complex, so intriguingly complex, uh, so many, so many layers, and uh, and yeah, so the fascination for Jim, uh, for Japan, you know mm-hmm. that. Uh, 
people often there in Japan ask me, you know, why so, you know, and I say, well, my friends, it's out of love. It's love <laughs> for Japan. You know, I hope it's not too embarrassing to my friends there in Japan, but it's the actual truth. So on one hand, I wanted to break away, and on the other hand, I was drawn to Japan in the sense of pursuing a quest of something of a of beauty, of athletics, of uh, harmony, and uh, uh, outside wine, and yet, yet uh, the the bridges, the correspondences between sake and wine are more than one. Huh? Mm. Uh, you know the origin, the the landscape, not to say the, the element of the terroir, and the, the the people, the fermentations, the the tradition, the, the innovation, the storytelling, the, and then the, obviously, ultimately, eventually, the food. You know, sake is so much about the food. The champagne is aspiring, you know, to go to more and more to the food. So all in all, uh, it, it was uh, such a natural way uh, to transition from, uh, the, you know, my background of, of wine into something different enough. Mm, interesting. So very similar, but but very different when it comes to how it's enjoyed. And uh... yeah, yeah. And uh, I'd love to add that uh, you know I haven't been running into sake right away. You know I've been going to Japan on many initial occasions. Uh, it's Possibly so busy with my duties of Don Pérignon, not looking really so much outside uh, the, the duties. And the, but still, through so many contacts and friends, I've been running into sake. And the, to say that sake is definitely identity, DNA of, uh, of Japan. Mm. If, you know, it's in that uh, close to uh, colorless, translucent uh, liquid uh, are all. Uh, the history, the traditions, the, the values, the athletics, whatever, you know, of, of Japan. Mm. It's a concentrate of so many things in one glass. Right. That is true. So, okay, that's interesting, right? Um, yeah, I really completely see now how you moved smoothly into the sake world from the world of champagne, Um so maybe we can just talk about the similarity and differences of uh, sake and champagne in another episode. But uh, I just want to know, um, you know, you you wanted to, you've been fascinated by Japan and the sake, but then I, I heard you have many friends to make this project happen to actually build um, the this uh, Shiraiwa sake brewery. So what's the connection behind it? Uh <clears throat> You know, I could easily prime myself and being really the, having developed an expertise in assemblage uh, in, in the wine and uh, hopefully more and more so in a, in a sake, you know, but uh, basically I'm, I'm blending people. Mm. I'm, uh, you know, projects are about the people, uh, you know, lonely, uh, you know, coming up to the station with my suitcase, you know, lonely, wouldn't work out, you know. So it's so much about the people uh, being able to blend, to unite really uh, goodwill, uh, talents, uh, people who want to be on a, a journey, an adventure, embarking mm. on it. 
is really the, the prerequisite to anything. Mm. Before you can drink that uh, that Iwa fire in the glass, you know, there has been a, a background of uh, so many years and years and years of uh, collecting the right uh, expertise, talents, and, uh, and goodwill. Mm. So, yeah. So it's my uh, pride to, to start with, even before considering the, the sake itself. Mm. You know, it has been about the partner, Amasudasan in Toyama, it has been collaborations of Kengo Kuma, Mark Nussen. Uh, it has been about investors uh, from uh, different countries outside Japan. Japan in the first place, but way outside Japan. It has been about local uh, Toyama bankers. It has been about really the local administration of Tateyama uh, in the prefecture of Toyama. It has been about the local administrations, uh, uh, you know, all wanting to to help uh, contribute and facilitate the, the, the project. So, well, mm. um, uh, what an adventure. Right. You know, people don't sometimes think that uh, I'm totally crazy. Mm. I must be, yeah, to an extent. Uh, right. Well, this project's about, you know, being crazy enough. It's about <laughs> a dream. Always is, you know, there must be a dream. You know, as a, a the reason, you know, something you can tend to, you know, and so to be drawn to mm-hmm. something. Right. But setting up in Japan is uh, definitely a challenge. It's climbing a mountain by the northern face, in a way. Yeah, yeah, the icy, icy face of a mountain. But uh, the the pleasure, the thrill is that uh, is up to the the, the challenge. Mm-hmm. It's very rewarding and. Uh, and as we speak, after four years of uh, activity, you know, one can say it's already, you know, bearing fruit, you know, mm. really showing really great uh, indication of, uh, of success. Right. Well, um, yeah, I feel that you enjoy making sake, not just because of making sake, but also the collaboration. Like you mentioned, Ken Gokuma, the world-famous um, architect, and also the Masuda Shizo, that's the Masuda Brewery, Sake Brewery, got advice. And, it, it, the, you know, the location talking about, it's um, Shiraiwa in Toyama Prefecture, which is facing the Japan Sea. So it's just amazing. You have all the you know, elements to make amazing sake brewery. And uh, we'll talk about new facility, the sake brewery too. But uh, yeah, so uh, we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll dive into Rich Richard's unique sake making philosophy that incorporates the beauty of champagne. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table, 
so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit coin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs on Heritage Radio Network, HRN. I'm your host, Saki Kotayama, and my guest today is Richard Jeffroy, who is the founder and maker of Shiraiwa, a sake brewery in Toyama Prefecture, Japan. And before Richard founded a sake brewery in 2018, he was the chef de carve or cellar master at the world-famous champagne producer Don Perignon for 28 years. So uh, let's dive into your sake. So what is your philosophy of sake making? And uh, is it different from your champagne making philosophy? Yeah. You know, frankly, before tech, being technical, uh, a project is about a, a vision and a ambition. And that uh, I've been traveling Japan uh, through Japan for so long, meeting up with uh, so many people, and uh, starting figuring out that uh, uh, Japan had to decidedly make it to to the world. That uh, sake was possibly too much of a Japo-Japanese uh, affair, uh, and uh, we know that the industry is in the in the steady decline since uh, early 1970s. So all in all, you know, my dream thing of, of a sake was really a brand, a, a sake, which would be uh, deeply, probably rooted in Japan and yet able to make it out, reaching out to the world, not to say embracing the diversity or the, the, the cultures, the, the cuisines, the people, you know, developing awareness and success of uh, sake outside Japan. The, mm. the future of sake is outside Japan. So I would say, therefore, a brand, you know, therefore, sake. The, my belief that uh, the sake got to be special enough to make it really winning uh, thing to, to the world. So it's the way I've been really coming to, you know, the formulation of a, he was five, he was a sake. Mm, right. Oh, that's interesting. You are forward-minded. Um, I, I think it's a f- mindset always. Um, that is true. I mean, the, the future of sake, the sake export has been really the record high thanks to interest abroad. And um, it's, it's interesting that your way to make something uh the world class, which is to me the same philosophy as making champagne. Yeah, because you know, okay, you are very right. You know, in recent years, uh, the exports have been really increasing dramatically. It's such from such a small base. Uh, as we speak, the export of sake is a mere five percent, and uh, it's not sufficient. The value. The volume, the volumes, and the value of uh, you know to to the sake industry are definitely overseas. So we we as a collectively got to make it you know way larger than it is currently is. You know it's it's what is at stake. You know that we we got to realize that there were uh, thirty seven hundred uh, breweries in early seventies prior to the oil crisis, and uh, now we are uh, down to 1,200. Mm-hmm. So it's, we, we got to bounce up, you know, and uh, I want to contribute to this. Obviously, mm-hmm. you, are, you know, 
is a project which got to be successful in the sense of being profitable, keeping myself and my investors happy. But there is a purpose above, and it's my sense of love for Japan to contribute to the cause of, uh, of sake. Mm. You know, my dream in life, you know, I should have said in the first place, and I wanted to move from the, the status of a, of a visitor to Japan to the one of a contributor. When you love, you contribute. You mm. cannot be a, a visitor or a passenger, you know, and uh, discussing uh, who knows what. You got to be hands-on and be mm. with the people. Right. Uh, so I, 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 I want, you know, humbly, you know, uh, I'm not going to make it alone, but I want to contribute. Mm, I think you're doing it and you really inspire a whole industry. So so let's discuss your actual sake because it's very interesting. So your sake is called Iwa 5. And I'd imagine Iwa comes from Shiraiwa, I mean, rock, the name of the brewery. But why is number five attached to it? Yeah, if we speak of Iwa for, for a second, yeah, fair enough. Iwa comes from Shiraiwa. Shiraiwa is the, the name of the site where we established the, the Kura, the, the brewery. Uh, I wanted a name that uh, authentic, representing really a, a place of, uh, of the, the birth of, uh, of the sake, of the brand, the sole place in a way. And actually, it's even the name of a small village down the, our property. There's a village of... Uh, you know, a few tens or 100 people down there. And actually, when you Google out, you Google map out, you find Shiraiwa, you know, Iwa is on, on the map. You can't point at it on the map. And it's something I was very definite, very keen on. I wanted that uh, element of, uh, you know, the origin you could point at on, on the map. So mm, I'll do it later for sure <laughs> to really zoom in Google <laughs> Google Map. And voila, and then you know the the five. Uh, actually, it's something uh, I've been seeing that five is the the universal symbol of uh, of harmony in the West, in in the East, the East and the West. It's a universal thing. And uh, it's uh, when I say harmony, it's about union and it's about uh, uh, quintessence. Uh, and uh, basically, all of this harmony, union, quintessence are my way of expressing assemblage. Mm. You know, instead of you know a very uh, generic uh, mention of a sort of a blended thing up front on the bottom, is the five you know, which is a, a symbol thing. Of uh, what makes really uh, Iwa Five uh, so singular, the salient character mostly is you know Five is assemblage. Mm, okay, so let's talk about the assemblage because um, uh, many of us are not familiar with the concept of assemblage, which is very very profound, I think. So, um, what is assemblage, and uh, why did you decide to use it for sake making, which is unheard of before? So. But assemblage was not really, uh, you know, thought of a, in the first place. It's more the consequence of a reasoning. I was telling you that uh, Iwa got to reach out to the world, embrace the cultures, the, the cuisines, and the, 
And uh, my observation of many years, uh, as much at Don Pagnon as uh, you know, developing Iwa, is that uh, the only way to make it to the world is to be of superlative balance and complexity. Uh, balance actually makes uh, richness weightless. Uh, it's, uh, it's somewhat philosophical in a way. It's a mm. philosophy of taste. And I actually, I've been really experiencing, uh, experimenting through my 28 years of Dom Pagnon, and which is uh, universal, as valid in uh, Iwa as in Dom Pagnon as anything. And, uh, and I, I've been thinking that balance and complexity of sake could be worked out to another level with mm. all uh, due respect to the great sakes of Japan. But I wanted to bring something very personal. You know, I've been telling you of contributing. So not mimicking, you know, the existing, uh, uh, you know, sakes at all, you know, coming up with something from a different angle, a different perspective. So making it to the world implies balance, complexity. And the only way to achieve balance and complexity is really assemblage. Mm. You know, working almost sort of a yin and yang thing, the opposite and the complements to make it as uh, as a continued uh, from start to finish of, uh, of the drinking. Mm. Right. So basically, traditionally, sake brewer, brewmaster make um, one style of what they think is perfect flavor. Um, that's the sake of the brewery. But instead, you're making different types I mean, different flavored sake, and then you blend yeah. each of them. So how many um, components do you blend from? Like how many, I would say, barrels? Or? Yeah. But before getting to just uh, trying to, to make really the, the assemblage out, you know, the, the, the elements, the number of elements and, uh, and more, uh, I think that uh, assemblage uh, is definitely pioneering in, a, in the industry of, of Japan. You know, the industry has been 1,200 years uh, of, of age, and nobody has been, you know, making it. Whereas it was all feasible to anybody in Japan. So uh, there is that sense of a, of a pioneering and. Uh, that uh, this got to be considered together with the, the process of maturation. You know, originally when we, you know, released, we launched Iwa 5 uh, in, the, in the spring of 2020 in Japan, first place, you know, so much about the assemblage. And down the road of close to three years now, mm. I realized that the paradigm is more than assemblage alone. It's a assemblage cross bottle maturation. Hmm. One helps the other. You know, the assemblage can only make sense if it's uh, extended, you know, or magnified through the, the bottle maturation. Hmm. And, uh, and bottle maturation makes sense if the, 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 the base the, the original assemblage got the potential. Mm. Uh, so it's sort of a reciprocal uh, whatever contribution, you know, which uh, 
makes it so unique because assemblage is fine ring and the, the way I'm looking at uh, bottom maturation is uh, about as much. Mm. You know, obviously there is really that long tradition of koshus which have been made uh, specifically to the purpose of, uh, of maturation and uh, down the, the road of 12 or 15, whatever, 20 years. Uh, but here I'm telling you of uh, really original releases keeping really improving the bottle, like mm. good wine. Right. So I really think that, you know, the, the word used harmony earlier. So by you can uh, assemble, like I, what I heard is you, you think blending is different from assemblage. Assemblage is more for targeting harmony. And by maturing, you really confirm that all the elements you blended merged into one to create what you wanted to make as a harmony. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah it's absolutely correct. Thank you. It's uh, very well put. It's what it is. And uh, my observation of high uh, and really superlative, uh, extraordinary sakes of, of Japan is that the, the toji, you know, the, the, the brewers are willing to, in, in that realm of Junmai uh, Daginjos, are willing to make it as fluid, as flowing, as, you know, as a reference to water as possible, which uh, I respect and I actually obviously enjoy. But the project of Iwa is very different. Without being really overly provocative, I'm adding uh, substance up. I'm adding richness up. You know, I'm beefing it up. But all thanks to balance from assemblage, the, that substance, that richness, you know, remains uh, weightless enough. I'm on the conundrum of being really uh, rich and yet weightless enough. Mm. Uh, well, so it's a very different approach to... It's a philosophical approach to the whole thing. Uh, well, mm. I, I'm I'm an outsider, you know. I'm I'm not from Japan. I never will be. Like, you know, whatever love for for the country and the culture. So I'm bringing my own reading or say interpretation of what uh, psyche can be. Mm. Uh, right. Well, I I kind of. Um, I really feel grateful even because that's the inside out uh, mindset you never question as a Japanese person. So like you said, a Japanese psyche tend to be really like pursuing the purity of the flavor that's inherent inherent in ingredients and how Toji makes and all those traditional techniques and mindset. But to me, what sounds like layering different perfected products can um, in which the experience of tasting um, sake. Yeah. So it's a key thing, you know, that uh, uh, sake, in essence, uh, absolutely right, is about the purity of the aromatics, the, the volatiles, and uh, the nose, you know, so much so. And uh, the second thing is that sake is about the flow, a seamless flow of sensations. You know, to me, there is a word I'm so keen on and uh, which sometimes is seen negatively, but 
which means so much to me, it's drinkability. That mm. flow, you know, that well flowing down the throat, uh, to me, is magical. Mm. There's an element of this in, uh, in champagne wines. You know, the, I believe that there should be about as much drinkability in champagne wines as in sake. This well could be the major bridge between the, the two. Uh, so the great brewers, great toshis of, of Japan are making it as fluid as water, are making it richer and yet uh, wetless enough, flowing enough, seamless enough, smooth enough through through the blend, through the assemblage. Mm. Voilà. But in the end, it's really being true to the essence of, of sake, hopefully. Right. Well, it's interesting. Um, I think the word you describe, you know, the quenchable uh, feeling in your throat, that's, uh, I think, Japanese word called nodogoshi. And nodogoshi yeah. doesn't get used to, you know, it is not used to uh, describe sake experience. It's more like soba noodles or beer, kind of. And it really enriches the experience of drinking sake, which I think is necessary for, to revive the sake industry. So that is interesting. I, I actually, to be honest, yeah. I've never tried the Iwafai, but um, I have to try with my, uh, you know, the throat sensation to maximize the experience. Right. Because the, the major point of balance uh, is really, you know, the balance, uh, the equilibrium between the, the palate and the nose. You know, we know that all uh, iron sakis are more nose than palate. Mm. which has been so for so long, you know, so enjoyable. Uh, here I'm, I'm trying to make really it more, more even, meaning, you know, retaining as much on the nose and, uh, you know, gaining on the, on the palate. Mm. You know, another word about this would be palatability, palatability, which is a word I love, actually, so much. Uh, you know, people just uh, simply, you know, would say presence on the palate. And one of the top sake sommeliers, uh, you know, one is based in Paris. And uh, he told me that uh, sake, uh, I'm sorry, Iwa is, um, is sake de bouche. Uh, I cannot even translate in, uh, in English, you know, that meaning that the seven characters of Iwa 5 are more mouthfeel, more palatability than anything. Mm, interesting. Wow. Not to mention the finish. You know, that assemblage allows, you know, such a balancing out of the, the, the fundamental taste of the sweet, the sour, the, the bitter, the spicy, the salty, the umami, all the stuff uh, to, to, together mm. to make it as continued as, uh, as possible. Right. I've been really on the long discussions there in Japan, in, uh, you know, with people telling me that sake had to be pretty short flavored. <laughs> and I, 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 I apologize that Iwafa is about as long flavored as can be. So, mm. <laughs> you know, hopefully smooth enough, gliding, the glide. Right. Well, uh, it's, uh, it, it's interesting because, you know, the we mentioned the word nodogoshi, which is not used usually for sake, but, you know, kiregai means like very like short finish, kind of a, you know, ephemeral, like, you know, have to chase that and then you keep drinking to get that taste again. But yeah, I, th yeah. I think the way you create Eva 5 
it's almost like you're expanding this uh, so-called retronasal and yeah. experience, yeah. which is always I enjoy because taste experience lasts longer and you appreciate, uh, you know, the value of what I'm drinking. So, right. And the, 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 to finish off on the, the profile of AUA5 and the, and the challenges, a major challenge to me has been really managing uh, or balancing out the bitterness out. You know, bitterness is one of the main, uh, the major challenges of sake. Mm. In all honesty, and I keep telling uh, my peers, you know, we're, we're sitting at the, the Japanese Brewers Association, uh, you know, and we, we have really open, long, uh, open discussions with uh, our peers. And uh, locally, you know, the prefecture of Toyama were very active there. And uh, I keep... Uh, Telling them that you know, whenever people don't like sake, say outside Japan, you know, it's on the on the grounds, you know, of uh, being overly bitter, mm. which uh, makes it a bit too blunt, a bit too unsettling in a way, and uh, not so easy to to take for Western is uh, uh, for Western palate. Mm. You know, so it's something I've been working out. Right. Uh, it's in a, it's there, but just in harmony with all uh, the other tastes. Mm, right. Uh, I think the the bitterness probably comes from uh, certain minerals, I and mean, depending on which region, it yeah, may be yeah. more prominent or not. Mm, but mm. it's interesting that you you said that because I heard iron makes it a little bit more bitter, or yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. so <laughs> complicated, but yeah, uh, iron is the enemy for certain. Mm. Right. Yeah, I don't get to be low. Well, you know, yeah. It sounds like though, um, it's it's another complication. You know that uh, champagne making is very complicated, but which is harder for you, making champagne or sake? Oh, I'm going to tell you of an, uh, an anecdote, more of an anecdote. Actually, it's something which happened uh, sometime last year. I gave a, an extensive interview to Le Monde uh, publication, you know, mm-hmm. daily newspaper, uh, leading one here in France. Mm-hmm. And uh, the full page interview, I, I was so happy with this. I could develop my, my point uh, to, to the full. And there was that question of uh, comparing really the complications of uh, sake making versus uh, wine making. And I dare to say that sake was more complicated to make, more <laughs> complex. And uh, there's been a, you know, an outcry, you know. And I remember it was on a Saturday, on the Monday, I was bombarded with uh, messages, uh, uh, emails. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> you know, and then I told my friends uh, in the one industry in France, it's the actual truth. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking my mind. Uh, I really believe, so I, I say, you know, and uh, there are way more options in the, in the making of sake than uh, in the making of, uh, of, of wine. You know, champagne, well, could be, you know, more complicated to make than the, any other wine. That, uh, there are more options, you know, more steps, more, you know, whatever, you know, two fermentations and, and more. But all in all, uh, sake is well uh, above anything. Mm. The level of microbiology in the making of sake is insane. It's insane. 
And you know, it cannot be purely science. Mm. You know, it cannot be pure science. Uh, there is, you know, the, the the guys in Japan are on top of their game. Uh, you know, there is really so much uh, knowledge uh, that uh, one can see it so much about the experience and uh, empirism mm. as well. You know, things never happen exactly the, the way you have been anticipating because there are too many variables between the, the composition of, uh, of the rice, the composition of the water, and the ferment, the, the microbiology is about really so much of a mystery, so much of the unknown of uh, organic uh, living uh, matter. Mm. So, and you know, you were saying that uh, the, the great greatest brewers of, of, of Japan are intending to make really sort of a consistent, continued character year in and out. Uh, without uh, assemblage, and I have my total respect because there, there are so many variables, and making it really continued enough is such an achievement. It's mind blowing. Mm. So I'm not saying that I'm, I'm taking it from a different perspective for a different agenda. But uh, what uh, my peers in Japan achieve is mind blowing. Mm. Well, so, what I hear is that yeah. um, for wine, uh, 20%, uh, it depends on the quality of the wine. 20% of the wine depends on who makes it. And in Japanese sake, it's like over 60%, 70%. So, um, I totally agree on this. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah, that brings us to the notion of terroir. Mm. Right. You know, because uh, people keep bombarding me with uh, that question on terroir. Uh, mm. And uh, maybe I won't be politically correct uh, there in Japan, but uh, as you said, you know, sake is way more making than sourcing. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, rice is not important. It's just really the weight of each parameter, you know, the way, well, whereas, uh, you know, in one making, grapes are really. Sometimes you say, well, 80%, if you found this right. Mm. So, you know, way above 50 in any case. So, and uh, I know there is really an interest, uh, a concern on uh, the, the rice of us, the rice terroir in Japan. But to me, if there is really a main, major, strong element of a terroir, it's really a sake terroir. Mm. I'm a great believer in sake terroir more than rice terroir. That is true. And sake also, terroir is about the kura, is about the brewery. Right. Yeah. So uh, there are many definitions of terroir, but uh, when it comes to sake, human terroir, people say is a big part of it. So that's interesting. Ah, sure is. Right. No, no. To me, when I say the kura, it's uh, something, uh, you know, I would say the, the people in the first day, uh, the first place. We know mm. that, uh, you know, through the different guilds of uh, Toji's across the country, you know, you have different approaches. You know, you don't make the style uh, of Niigata the, in Niigata, you know, the same way as you do in the, in the down south of Japan and, and, uh, and so on. You know, that uh, there's a cultural, uh, individual human element in the first place. Number two is the water. To me, water is part of the, the kura. 
you know, it's it's making. Mm. I don't know if you know, you are the human terror, a big part of it now. I'm not sure if you're aware of it now. Yeah, you you know, <laughs> and actually in one terror, you know, the, the, the men are part of the, the terror just as well. Mm. The, the cultural the dimension, the, the, the sensitivity, the, the personal uh, profile of, of the maker, everything, you know, it, it is so important. I put it really first, you know, together with the water. And then the, the, the Kura itself is about really the layout of the equipment. I've been visiting so many Kuras in Japan. I never found the two identical uh, layouts. They're all different. Uh, I suspect that there are 12, well, 1,200 kuras, there must be as many layouts. Right. And I'm, I'm certain it conditions the, the final expression of the, the sake. And third, you know, when you, as for people dealing with uh, the traditional uh, methods of, say, moto, you know, all the yeast propagation uh, methods, Yeast starter propagation methods, you know, the the microflora of the, the, the place, you know, the ambience of, uh, of the, the bacteria, whatever, within the, the cola is mm. so important. So, voila, it's uh, between the, the man, the water, the equipment, and the microflora. So, I, I'm a strong believer in the, in the sake uh, terroir, which happens to be the cola. Mm. Right. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of, um, I didn't get a chance to um, go to you know, details of this new crowd. You, you've been making sake with your um, friend, uh, advisor brewery, Master Sake Brewery, but you, but you opened really beautiful new sake brewery in April 2021. And uh, it's by designed by Kengo Kuma, the world famous architect and your close friend of yours. So, um, it's, it sounds like it's a new place and a new experience. So um, how do you describe that brewery? Like, you know, is it um, space that kind of present new opportunity to discover sake or what kind of space is that? But believe it or not, uh, Kengo Kuma never had been, never designed a kula, you know, at all. And for him, it was so important being really a proud uh, Japanese, you know, architect of Japan, you know, designing a, a sake brewery, a kura was of a major, uh, outstanding importance, mm. you know, so number one. So he was very involved, very, very committed. And on, uh, on the other hand, you know, uh, I explained that commissions, you know, can go to design really something of the future. I wanted something, you know, showing good faith and confidence in the future of sake, sending the message to Japan, to my peers in the industry, before even thinking of, uh, you know, the, the followers and lovers of Iwa making it a destination. I wanted it to carry an element of modernity without betraying anything of uh, DNA in a sense, but still progressive in a way. Voilà. So it's the, first, you know, I wanted sort of a, a ship. Mm. I had the dream of a vessel, you know, people could uh, embark onto. 
And uh, the revelation to me when uh, has been when uh, together with uh, Masuda-san and uh, Kengo Kuma, who have been visiting really local traditional farms, be it in Fukui region or, you know, or in Nanto uh, district uh, up north of Toyama Prefecture, that uh, there were those, um, there are these uh, traditional farm, farmhouses, one big body of a building, sheltering everything, everybody, the, the owner, the, the, the family, the staff, the, the cattle, uh, the food to the humans, to the animals, the, the crop, everything, and everybody surround, you know, getting around the, the earth, that sort of central social place of the, the building. And actually, I, I've been really, you know, exp- expressing that, uh, that philosophy to, to Kengo, who has been really so much of a master and making the, the dream uh, true. And, uh, and Kengo has been coming up with the, the concept of uh, everything under one single roof, meaning that, uh, you know, it's obviously so much production. It's the only one, one and only place of, of making, for, you know, the entire production of, of Iwa under mm. our control with the, uh, mo- uh, the most outstanding toji you could think of. And at the same time, we can receive, we can welcome people of, uh, of Japan and of the world just as well. Mm. And the guests are treated the same way as the, the, the workers or the workers uh, on the same standards as the, the, the guests. Mm. It's one floor, one platform. Symbolically, it's the same material from uh, the, the guests to, to the workers. It's really that ash from local wood all blended together with a concrete that's all dark gray thing, which again unites, you know, the, the production and the, and the, the reception. Mm. Uh, it's what it is. Wow. Well, hopefully I get lucky to be able to visit the brewery. This sounds amazing. So also I think uh, our listeners want to know where we, uh, they can get IWA EWA 5 available. And, you know, it's in where, in which country. We have a lot of listeners in many countries. It's up to 190 countries worldwide. So where can we get EWA 5? Yeah. Uh, we we launched Iwa Five in, in the spring of 2020 in Japan. Then in uh, in the summer we extended to parts of, of Asia, and gradually to the full of Asia, and then moving to Europe, and then finally, uh, last but not least, I would say uh, America. So. Mm-hmm. We have been really available in America since uh, November of 22. In all, uh, in all, we're in 31, 31 countries as, uh, as we speak. Very strong, very uh, highly recognized and, you know, great notoriety in Japan. And, uh, and uh, outstanding, tremendous response in, uh, in America as we, we speak. The rest of Asia is a bit more patchy as far as success is concerned because COVID has been really 
you know, a, a challenge to many countries, uh, you know, whenever, you know, looking at China or Hong Kong mm. uh, has been a struggle. But we have many supporters and uh, I think they will be back on, you know, pretty rapidly. Europe is slow and will remain slow enough for long because the recognition, the awareness of sake is less. So we have that groundwork to achieve and uh, to make it at the highest level of anything. And America is so aware enough of sake to to respond to to Iwa. And it's an uh, exhilarating period of uh, in developing the the brand and the uh, yeah the recognition. It's just uh, it's such a thrilling experience of seeing it seeing it you know expanding out uh, growing developing and uh, like a, a, a kid mm. you know, like a baby you 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 see starting walking and uh, getting more and more confidence and being really growing up in a way it's uh, such an element of a satisfaction mm. hard work but it still is you know. right so what you uh, you know mm-hmm. No, I, I wanted to complete my point and say that uh, I was telling you that it was uh, it is so much reaching out uh, to and embracing the different cultures uh, of the world and their, their cuisines. It's so much about the cuisines, and the ambition of uh, of Iwa Five is definitely to to pair to be such an uh, in harmony with the great cuisines of the of the world. Mm. You know, we're outside uh, Japan. We're obviously probably Japanese in the first place, but we got to crack that box of uh, that perimeter of uh, Japanese uh, gastronomies uh, out to all great cuisines with no exception. Mm. And actually, uh, uh, as we speak, uh, not even three years on the marketplace and, uh, and, uh, and the COVID and everything, we're already in 43-star restaurants of the world, as we speak. Wow. Nine, nine of them being Japanese means that 31 are non-Japanese. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. I, I believe it's an achievement. Yeah, I think it is an achievement. But right. I believe it is. Mm. Yeah. And the follow-up from the chefs. You know, sommeliers, uh, you know, have been keen on sake for uh, long enough. They, they are so supportive of sake wherever. But uh, the chefs, uh, I, I'm very intrigued. You know, in my own life, the, the chefs were not really so wine guys. So much of wine guys, they were they, they were even managing a distance between the creative work uh, and uh, and the, uh, the wine. Maybe I don't know, being suspicious on the wine, being uh, you know, maybe altering really their work of food. I don't know. Mm. Uh, you know, on a more competitive mode, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to make it out. But sake, you know, in general, and the Iwa Five in particular, uh, chefs are way more relaxed, you know, and keen and open and curious. So mm. it's really great news. It's something the industry got to, you know, to work out for right. certain. Mm. Well, I look forward to seeing uh, we're going to keep creating and, and keep inspiring, not just uh, the Japanese sake industry and consumers, but 
It sounds like the whole world. So good luck. And uh, so where can we find your updates online and on social media? So well, on uh, Instagram, you know, it's uh, iwa.sake. Mm-hmm. And we have a site, you know, where you can really have all the, the fundamentals of, of the brand and uh, having really all the descriptions of the sake and more. And uh, it's on uh, iwa-sake.japan, uh, I mean, uh, JP. Okay, great. So iwa-sake.jp. Yeah, yeah, right. voilà. Right, great. And... Uh, yeah, it's such a pleasure. You know? mm. And uh, I want to invite more and more people on uh, on the adventure, you mm. know, the, the journey. I, I see the whole thing as a sort of a journey. And um, the way people of Japan have been responding to Iwa is amazing. Mm. The one thing people have been commenting on is really that uh, they experience a new sensation it's, you know, many people say, well, we can see really some of the traditional characters of sake. And same time, it's a revamped, reshuffled, reorganized into something which is totally unprecedented. Mm. So, and, and people are really following up, you know, they are so supportive. Right. It's a refreshing idea, um, kind of rediscovery myself. I grew up very traditionally and my father was drinking traditionally too. So yeah, I, I'm so grateful. And uh, please keep me posted and you can come back on maybe new release or any new product to come, uh, come up with. You can come back and discuss. Yeah, at the moment we are really one sake, one single sake, but it will expand out. You know, it won't be vast expansion. You know, but if we could come up with two or three sake down the road of a few years, uh, I think I'm able to tell everything of Iwa through three sakes with that concise. That, uh, yeah, voilà. Here's the project. <laughs> it should keep me busy for long. Voilà. <laughs> I can see that. So good luck and uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Richard. Thank you. It has been a tremendous pleasure. Thank you. Right. More to come. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japaneeds at heritageradionetwork.org or akikotaima.com. Japan Eats is a weekly program and is always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Matt Patterson, and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Bunnies is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.